Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Ultimately, I'm going to keep saying it, get 1% better every day. Just get a little bit better every day. Hey, welcome back. Stephen Holder here with Zach Kiefer. Another episode of 1% Better. And we are here to recap, ugh, yuck, an ugly Colts loss to the Baltimore Ravens. They go down 21-10 to 10 in Week 9. We knew this would be a tough game. And it proved that we were right. We were not right about who we thought would win. Thought the Colts would put up a better fight, but... Uh, this turned out to be a one-sided effort for for Indianapolis. Uh, lots of great defensive play and nothing to match it on offense. So we'll get into that. But Zach, let's start with this. Uh, so I think there's some perspective to offer here, just to start really, really broadly, and then we can get more specific. The Ravens are really good. They're good. <laughs> like they proved it. Okay, you watched it. That team knows how to win. Okay, that is what I saw yesterday. Uh, They are very good, possibly elite, and we knew the Colts might not be on that level. Does any of that surprise you? Yeah, a little bit. I thought they were taking a step forward, and they weren't. Um, Mm -hmm. My takeaway from yesterday was uh, we know where they're at. It's very Mm -hmm. obvious. They're good enough to beat bad teams, and they're not good enough to beat good ones. And through a half of football yesterday, I actually felt pretty good about my pick. I thought the Colts were in control. True. And they were stopping the run. They were playing lights out on defense. And early on, the first two drives, the offense looked like it was in sync. And I don't know if the Jonathan Taylor fumble changed the trajectory of the game, but it certainly stalled the Colts' offense in a huge way, and they never really recovered the rest of the game. Um, but I think yesterday exposed the Colts for what they are. They're an average football team. It's one thing to beat up on the Bengals and the Lions and the Vikings and the Jets. And it's another thing to do it against the Browns and the Ravens. And they can't do that. They haven't proven to do that. And I think yesterday when you play teams like that, it exposes you for where you are lacking. And I think yesterday we saw it very clearly. They're lacking on offense. They're lacking at the quarterback spot. They're lacking at skill position players around the quarterback. Like you said, it's not just on Phillip Rivers. Um, and Frank Reich didn't have his best day yesterday either. And and, and I think it's very revealing. They're 5-3. and three. And they're not going to play a lot of cupcakes the rest of the way. So until this changes, they're just an average football team right now. Yeah, they've got to change the narrative. And there's only one way you can change it. I mean, you don't change the narrative on talk radio or right. or in press conferences, right? You, you change the narrative between the lines. And they got to do that. Uh, this isn't even about narratives. It's about <laughs> it's about wins and losses, you know? And, and frankly, right now, they are a team that can't get the wins – uh, against the teams that they they need to, so so we'll see. I think that my takeaway is very much the same. They were outclassed yesterday by a better team, and I think that Baltimore Ravens defense can take them a long way. Uh, and and they get just enough playmaking from Lamar Jackson that it, it pushes them over the top. You know, I, I thought you know the previous week against Pittsburgh, maybe Lamar came up a play short, right? But I right. get that against Pittsburgh, but uh, they're gonna they're gonna be. 
able to go out there and and have a chance to win every single Sunday with that defense that they have. So the shame uh, of I it give them credit is the Colts mm-hmm. can win every single Sunday with the defense they have. <laughs> it's true, like all day. Like that I don't defensive... know that the Ravens had the best defense on the field yesterday. I'm not sure. The Ravens have a top five defense. I think the Colts have a top three defense. I know that might sound crazy, but but just consider these stats that that, that I pulled up from yesterday's game. They allowed 55 yards in the first half, the Colts' defense. 55 total yards to Lamar Jackson's offense. Their fewest through two quarters in six years. The Colts had nine tackles for a loss yesterday. The second straight game they've done that. They're only one of two teams in the entire league who's done that this season. The other is the undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers, who have undeniably the best pass rush in football. And the Colts forced and recovered a fumble, which is this. they've done that seven games in a row. I mean, this defense... They deserve more. Like they're yeah. carrying this team right now, and every time they go against a good, a great team, uh, they show up, and and the offense just kind of lets them down. And and that's my fear for this season is, is they're not going to get enough give and take, and and the, they're going to waste what, for the Colts, is a fairly historic defensive year so far. I would agree. So. Let's get into, I think, the meat of this. Uh, a couple of things. Number one, this was their biggest test so far. We knew that. Uh, yeah. They've got another one coming up Thursday. So this week, it, it, life comes at you fast. Just this one, uh, this week, excuse me. Right. Uh, this is going to be a very be a telling week. Could be a bad thing. I, yeah, I, I think so. But you're talking about a really physical game on Sunday. You're turning around, going to play a really physical team on Thursday. So from that perspective, they will be tested. And just from a the standpoint of competition will be tested. So so that's something they've got to deal with. And then I think the biggest issue, which you've already alluded to, is offensively. They, I thought this game yesterday, I, I don't want to live in the moment too much because the NFL can, can do that to you. Yeah. But at the same time, I really do think there was a lot revealed yesterday. So let's let's dig into that. Now, they started off in the first half moving the football. Okay, I I thought actually they moved the football surprisingly well. Yeah, <laughs> I was I was sure. kind of surprised by that. For the sure. problem is they didn't get points, and you knew that it wouldn't be enough. That they would have to do more. Okay, ten seven at halftime ain't gonna do it. All right, nope. and they left points on the field. Jonathan Taylor huge fumble. Obviously, we know the consequence there. But I would say this: that offense. I thought what was revealed to me yesterday was it's good, but not good enough. And I think that's really the takeaway here. Yeah. Uh, it's good enough to go hang 40 on the Detroit Lions <laughs> because they're the Detroit Lions. Yeah. Okay. Congrats. It's on good that. enough to, to put 30 on the Cincinnati Bengals because they're the Cincinnati Bengals. This was a different deal. And I think maybe this was a, a needed reality check, both for the fans and for the Colts. Uh, because, you know, Frank Reich, ever the optimist, right, tells us from the mountain shots from the mountaintops how much he loves his team, he loves his personnel, but they they didn't have enough yesterday. What would you, you ask me late in the fourth quarter? You said, if you're an opposing defensive coordinator, which player on this offense worries you? Which one keeps you up at night? The answer is none. <laughs> okay. That's it. Look, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, you, you respect them because they can move the football. Right. And Phillip Rivers is, is a guy who – you better be ready for it, okay? Don't get me wrong. Like, you, you better not bust a coverage against Phillip Rivers, okay? I get that. Those things are true. But I'm just saying, contrast that versus some of the guys they have to play. 
yes. in the weeks to come. Okay, let's right. let's go down the line. Lamar Jackson. Okay, you're not sleeping. <laughs> okay, Derrick Henry. You're probably not sleeping. <laughs> right. Okay, Aaron Rodgers. You're definitely not sleeping. <laughs> right. So, and then you're going to see Pittsburgh later, right? So, I mean, that's the league, man. And I just feel like if you don't have one of those, you got to do it the hard way, buddy. And they're and they're doing it the hard way. And I yeah. think Frank Reich is probably making the most of a very average offensive unit. I, um, that's what I came away with yesterday. Yeah. And, and what did we always say? What do we always hear from Frank? We hear players win games, mm-hmm. and he really believes this. And and if you go back to the early days of of the Luck era, how many games did they win because of one guy? You know, because of luck mm-hmm. pulling it out at the end, they didn't necessarily deserve to win. They weren't the better team on the field, but they had two guys, T.Y. and Luck, who could just make a play at the end and win it for them. There's five or six guys on on good teams that can just win a game. And like you wrote in your story yesterday, this is a really good point. You know, the Ravens didn't play great in the second half. And who stepped up in the, in the, in the first half? Excuse me. Who stepped up in the second half? They had the game breakers to win. The Colts didn't, and it was very obvious. And they outscored the Colts you know, what, 17-3 to three, the rest of the way or whatever it was. Um, right. They put the, the ball in Lamar, in Lamar's hands, and they knew what they had to do. Yeah. Teams are teams are huge in this league, but players win games in a lot of situations, and the Colts didn't have the players to win against a really good team yesterday. Whether they have guys step up or not down the line remains to be seen, but it was very obvious yesterday who had the game-breaking talent and which team did not. So you mentioned – the the situation they used to have with Andrew Luck. And I would submit that right now what they have is the inverse of that. <laughs> okay. They had a team then, and maybe this is not a really original point. I'm sure it's been made, but they had a team then, and you, you guys lived it, so you know, right? They had Andrew Luck, this potentially, you know, top five quarterback. He was seemed like he was on his way. Uh, a guy who could who could over who could supersede, you know, terrible situations and bring you out of it and yep. Know, make fourth quarter comebacks and then the rest of the team exceedingly average yep <laughs> okay if at all in fact sometimes Heron subpar. Was the starting running back in an afc championship team amazing <laughs> that was only because trent richardson didn't make the trip zach <laughs> <laughs> you want to go into trent richardson it's too early oh my god let's let's not go down that road okay focus focus but Right, so like, let's talk about this. This is a reality, right? So that was their team for too many years. This team that had this this elite quarterback surrounded by a bunch of Joes. Now, and Ty Hilton being the one the one exception, I think for he sure. was the one elite guy for you had sure. outside of Andrew Luck that you could really count on. Now, what you have is like you have better than Joes, but they're certainly not elite. You know, you have a bunch of guys who are Joe plus. Yeah, you need <laughs> okay. guys who can win good on good, right? I mean, it's it's right. your starter against their starter. In a lot of situations, it's just going to come down to who can win in space or who can win on the edge. And the thing is, those are the hardest guys to find. It's mm-hmm. it's it sounds so simple, right? But like that's why you pay those guys an absurd amount of money, and and they're the hardest guys to find, and that's why. T.Y. Hilton is such a rarity because he's been so good for so long. And, you know, I need to eat my words because I didn't think T.Y. being absent yesterday was going to be a huge deal because of what we've seen the last couple weeks. I was dead wrong. They missed T.Y. yesterday. They missed anything, any type of an offensive spark. 
and and they need Ty back as soon as possible. If he can play Thursday, that's a huge that's a huge boost. I I think for sure Ty would have had some impact yesterday. I don't know that he's the difference between winning and losing, but I do think they needed a spark from somebody, and it just didn't seem to to be available to him. And I think there's a deeper conversation to have here. And I did get into this in in my story on some level. They have done, and Chris Ballard specifically has done an incredible job, I think, of building this team, rebuilding the team, because there wasn't anything to build on. He was rebuilding. It's been what? This is year four? Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. That's a long time in the NFL, but at the same time, you were basically rebuilding a you know, just a complete situation that was from that was in rubble, frankly. So my point is, all right, look what he's done so far, where he's really invested the resources, right? Let's see how that's gone. Offense and offensive line, defensive line, they are tremendous mm-hmm. in both of those areas. That yeah, we can line, we can man. we can quibble about the O line, and that's fine. Like they yeah. deserve criticism. But I would tell you what, twenty to twenty-five teams in the NFL would take that offensive line tomorrow. Okay. Yes. I assure you. Yes. So that ain't your problem. Not your biggest problem. Offensive line, defensive line, great job. Defense generally, I think, has been addressed. Pretty good job. <laughs> I mean, how can you argue, right? Dude, they I are love playing elite defense. defense. I love yeah. watching the defensive line. It would be miserable. It would be miserable playing quarterback against this team. Now Lamar did yep. a pretty good job in the second half. But I think the defense just wore down. I mean, it's it's. I do. They get off the field and then Rivers throws a pick on the first throw, and then they got to go back out. I, I that's what I think. It, if it sounds like an excuse, I'm not trying to make an excuse, but I just think the defense wore down. At the end of the game, Darius said, "He's like, look, we gave up 110 yards. You know, that's not good enough. We need to be much better. That's the lowest rushing total for the Ravens all year. This is the best <laughs> exactly. rushing team in football. The Colts. Does he know they lead out. the NFL in rushing? Yeah, I, <laughs> okay. I get Darius's point. You know, he lost, right. and, and they're mad about that. But don't, you know, to quote Jim Moore, do not blame that on the defense. <laughs> I always love when we can slip in a, Joe, a Jim Moore quote. Uh, but to continue the thought, right, so so Chris Ballard, here you come in this – in the trenches, your team is a complete catastrophe. You address I'm, that. I'm, I'm with that 100%. You know? You know? I mean, think about what think about where they were. And where they are, you know, you, you've been seeing these these memes online that's been popular lately, right? Like how it was and how it oh, is now. Now, it, <laughs> okay. Colts O line then and now that would be a good one. I think I may have to work on that. How, um, yeah. I might make some people mad, so maybe not. But um, yeah. <laughs> I might get a phone call. Yeah, <laughs> inside joke. Anyway, uh, so they did a great job there. I think they've done a great job defensively. And then the last thing on the agenda has been, I think, putting some firepower in place on offense and that effort is ongoing because and we know it's ongoing right because they've they're still making picks in that regard last year Paris Campbell you know that story that has not come to fruition yet for yeah for health reasons and then this year their first two picks so Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman neither of which have really come to fruition yet for different reasons Michael Pittman is health and Jonathan Taylor is just I don't know he's just lost honestly. and and you can't Forget about Marlon Mack. Like, I've been saying yeah. it all summer. Like, don't sleep on Marlon Mack. I think he's a lot better than people think. And it's very obvious every week how good Marlon Mack is because he's not out there and they miss him sorely. And you want to talk about explosive offensive playmakers. Yes, they miss Paris Campbell, but they really miss Marlon Mack. I think it wasn't just the offensive line making Mack look good. 
as he grew right. into his game, I think he was starting to make them look good as well. Kansas City last year is a perfect example. But to your point, they're adding these pieces. They're trying to build up some offensive playmakers on the outside for sure. But the hardest position to fill, we know what that is. Yeah. They're not going to rush on the quarterback spot. But this leaves them in a quandary. It really does. Because Frank can talk all he wants about a run game and, and how important it is, and I understand that. But throwing wins in this league right now, period. And they couldn't yeah. do it yesterday, and that's what held them back. And it's going to continue to hold them back against good teams like the Packers, like the Titans that they're going to see down the line, the Steelers in December. If you can't throw the ball, you're not going to win. And it's that's that's threatening to ruin their season. And by ruin, I mean... You know, it would be a shame if this team missed the playoffs. You don't go out and pay a $25 million quarterback to go 9-7 and seven and miss the playoffs. That's just simply as I can state it. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. I'll say this. I think that the quarterback in this particular game played a huge role in the loss. Look, we can talk about the the Ravens' defense. We can talk about the inability to run the ball, and those things are true. But Phillip Rivers missed way too many throws yesterday. Can't miss those throws. And, you know, and I don't think that some of that was – some of that could be attributable to the defense, clearly, right? I mean, they make those throws harder. That's, that's how it works. They're good. That's, Even without Humphrey, they're good. They really are. And then there were some others where I just thought they were inexcusable, you know. And and then look, his receivers got to help him in some cases, and that wasn't always the case. But but man, man, oh man, he did not make this easy. Uh, he he made a lot of throws yesterday where I was just I, I just it was flabbergasting after he's been so accurate in recent weeks. That's because the thing, and you have to a, mention that so about Rivers. Like I'm writing the story mainly about Rivers last night, and I'm like, this guy was really good the last two games like really accurate like really good against the blitz like he lifted his team up which is what you want from the quarterback spot and then yesterday it felt like a reverse it felt like the browns game where it was like he's holding them back and i'm not excusing the receivers because they did not have a good day and i don't know why naheem hines touched the ball four times excluding the punt returns like i don't get that but they just looked average in every spot it's almost like 
they get rolling on the first couple drives because Frank has all that scripted out, and he's able to really spread the ball around and really divvy it up. I mean, it really looked like the Ravens were kind of on their heels on defense the first drive and a half. And then after that, it looked completely the opposite, and that's what I don't understand. And and I'll watch the tape later today and try and see if I can pick up on some things. But it just looked like Frank Reich is just trying everything in his power to scheme up ways to get inferior talent to beat much more superior talent. And it's, it's just not going to work because in this league, talent wins. That is a very important point. And I want to get into that because I think that we've heard a lot of criticisms about Frank Reich. Maybe this is Twitter. I don't know. Probably is. But... But, but I think it's out there. I mean, it's been on talk radio, too. We've yeah. heard some – there's been some questions about Frank Reich. Not like, okay, should he be fired? I mean, is he in the hot seat? Not, not like that. No, no he's more not. Like, I can okay, tell you right now, he's not in the hot seat. No, he's not. But, but, but the fans were sold an idea that this guy was an offensive uh, – I, I don't like the word genius, but for lack of a better he word. He was innovative offensive mind. Yeah, that's I prefer that. He lifted Nick Foles from the ashes to Super Bowl glory. <laughs> I mean, right? <laughs> that happened, right? Like we can't deny the fact that that actually happened. So, so yeah, you earn that label when you do that, all right? And Carson Wentz and the the rookie season that he had, right? I mean, that was no accident. And Frank Reich had a big hand in that, right? Yeah. So, so anyway, the label was earned, and the fans were that was emphasized to the fans when he was hired. And that wasn't the only reason he got hired. He's obviously a leader and all of those things, but but certainly that was a big, big factor. So now, when you watch what's happening, I think you just hit on something. You said early in games, when when they're on the script, they really do click. And there's no question about that. That's when Frank has the upper hand on his opponent. The problem is, you can't script an entire game. You can't script mm-hmm. situations. And what will happen is, the defenses adjust. And it's not that he doesn't have a counterpunch. It's that sometimes he doesn't have a good enough glove to punch with, you know, for yeah, really it's a bad both. analogy. But I think that's what's it, happening. That goes to personnel. And yeah. so you asked, like, why didn't Naheem Hines touch the ball more? I think that is a, that's where we can, we can quibble about Frank Reich, things like that. Look, you do only have a handful of really – pure game-breaking players, you've got to do what you've got to do to get them the ball. That is a very relevant criticism. But taking a step back, though, I think you got to think about this. Look, I mean, he can talk about this wide receiver by committee thing all he wants. Sorry, Frank. Yeah. It's over. I'm not buying it anymore. I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't buy it. It it can't. It can work against Detroit. It can work against Cincinnati. It can work, you know, when, you're, when your defense gets a couple turnovers, maybe. But I'm sorry, it's not going to consistently work against the upper echelon teams. So, so that's why it's really it's just so hard to judge Frank Reich. I think right now, you know, I, it's, I I'm mean, not saying he's above reproach. All I'm saying is I don't know what to think. Well, you look at it objectively, and this is the third season for Frank. This is the third different starting quarterback, and that matters. Mm-hmm. And yeah. when were they at their best? They were at their best with Andrew Luck late in the 18 season, and it wasn't solely because of Luck, and we've talked about that. It wasn't the quarterback carrying the team, and that was the beauty of it, right? There right. was this balance that, that Andrew never had in his career and that Frank was all about. And they've regressed under Brissett and Rivers because they couldn't find the balance. At one point, they had the run game. They didn't have the passing game. Now, they ain't got neither. 
And that's the issue. And and I still think they're better at quarterback this year than they were last year. Like, I still I think Rivers is a step up from Brissett. I, I strongly disagree with you. And I've seen lots of people saying they should just throw Brissett in there. But, you know, I couldn't disagree more. Um, and that's what he's going to have to figure out because this is Frank Reich's gamble, right? This was him pushing right. the signing of Phillip Rivers. They went out and paid him a huge, huge contract um, to essentially just be a mercenary, right? Come in one year. And do what we couldn't do last year, lift up the quarterback position. And they've got a long way to go. It's the midway point. But so far, the returns are they're not much better than last year. They're good enough to beat bad teams, and they're not good enough to beat the good ones. We'll see if they finish stronger. But they played two teams in the first eight games with a winning record. Excuse me, I think they played three. Baltimore, um, the Bears, and the Browns, they play five in the last eight games. And don't tell me that Houston is going to be a walkover just because they have a terrible record because they're not going to be because the Colts and the Texans always have tight games. So, right. you know, this is where Phillip Rivers, this is what he was paid to do, to lift this team up over these next eight games. And you're going to have to see a much different Phillip Rivers Thursday night than you saw yesterday. And the thing is, he's shown he can do that. He's shown he can bounce back. He's shown he can lift up the offense in certain situations. Has he done it against a great defense? No. Um, but it wouldn't stun me. I still think he can get it done. It's just the longer we go into the season, the more it's been revealed that they're just they're just a decent football team that can beat the bad ones and can't hang with the good ones. You know, one thing this season I think has, has really done is really, I think, cast a lot of doubt on, on – on, well, doubt is the wrong word. Let me rephrase this. Let me start over. One thing this season has done, I think, is really call into question the quarterback situation even for next year. Now, I know I'm getting ahead of myself. Oh, and sure. I mean, Frank Reich went into this thinking, okay, if this goes at least decently, we're going to stick with Phillip for another year. And and frankly, I my opinion was, okay, if you can if you can contend for the division and you look like a competent football team, I'm okay with that. Barring a better solution, okay, that that, that's has, assuming you don't have a better solution. That is true. Now, it is going to be one hell of a sales pitch to tell this fan base we're going to roll with Philip Rivers in 2021. So this, there's a bigger picture here. Forget the fan is, base, your GM. <laughs> it's true. And uh, your owner, Chris. I want to bring this guy back. Uh, right. What? Because here's the thing. Let me ask you this: If you end up going nine and seven. Frankly, Jacoby Brissett could go nine and seven with this defense. I have yep. no doubt, and I'm and, not saying he played kicker. great. Jacoby didn't have a good kicker last year. Remember, Jacoby didn't have a kicker. He didn't have a good defense. I mean, listen, I'm not saying Jacoby Brissett is great. I'm not suggesting Jacoby Brissett should be playing now. I'm not saying either of those things. All I'm saying is, if they end up nine and seven and maybe get in the seventh, what the what? There's how many wild cards now? <laughs> there's like seventeen wild cards. Yeah, right? it's, so the, it's, it's the new playoff spot, right? So if they end up the last AFC playoff team, you know, roughly nine and seven or something, okay, fine, golf clap, okay. Let me ask you <laughs> that. So Brissette if they get that, that last spot and they go to the playoffs and they get rolled and the quarterback doesn't play well because they're playing a much better team, where does that leave them? Because that's that's going to be the most obvious thing of all where they sit, right? Yeah, yeah, that's the that's problem. Where the, the, that's the problem where be exposed. The problem isn't. Do we want to bring the quarterback back? The problem is, can we afford not to? Because 
we may not have a better option. <laughs> and it's also, <laughs> I don't know. what are our options? Like you said, I mean, right. there's so much out there right now in terms of speculation. I mean, is, is Sam mm-hmm. Darnold going to be available? Do the Jets go after Trevor Lawrence, and does that make Sam Darnold expendable? Is Jacob Eason, like, where is he really at? You know, we hear yeah. good things. I've heard good things behind the scenes. He looks really good in warm-ups, but that doesn't equate to winning football games on Sunday. Um, you know, I don't think Eason plays this year to squelch any um, hope in that front, but do you bring in someone to compete with Eason? Like, is, is Brissett a guy you give money to and let him? <laughs> Dude, this could go a million different ways. They don't know yeah. yet because they don't, they don't need to know yet. But but all I'm saying is, just you know, prepare yourself for a really rocky quarterback conversation, <laughs> you know, at the end of this year. Because uh, unless this thing takes off and and Rivers pulls it together, and then you're still projecting a year out on a 39 year old guy at that point, you know. So I don't know. And th- this the is other what guy we said in August of 2019. <laughs> this is what we said. The ripples of Andrew Luck's retirement are going to linger in this franchise for four to five years. And that's why we're still talking about this, because of the uncertainty so far, of the quarterback right. position. And it's just how this league works. And that's why that retirement is still impacting this franchise. The uncertainty, until they find the next guy, like the guy, mm-hmm. could be Jacob Eason, maybe not. Um, you know, because Rivers is a bridge. He's a bridge right now. Um, until they find to the next something. guy... You're still dealing with the repercussions of that night. That's as simple as I can state it. That's what it boils down to. Uh, I, I want to take a moment and talk about another guy specifically, and it's Jonathan Taylor. A lot of frustration, I Where'd think. He go? I know. It, this is frustrating. I feel bad for the kid on some level because, yeah, I get it. He's an early, what? He's the 40th pick in the draft, and. You know he's he's earning money. He's a professional football player. He's got to get the job done. But there's a lot of pressure on this kid, and you know to his credit, he's a professional. He's handling it well, and I give him credit for that. But man, I, I just I do I just feel I feel bad for him. You know, I mean he's I'm old enough to be his dad. You know what I mean? So I look at it that way. I think and and I think I see what what happened yesterday. That fumble. I mean that was the most pivotal play I think of the game. Yeah. Even though it was early, I think yeah. it was that pivotal. I think it was jarring. They never really recovered, I don't think. And so I guess what I'm getting at is, where is he? And what do you do? All right? They said, Frank Reich told us that he wasn't benched, not to use that word, but that was our word. But the truth of the matter is, he certainly didn't put him back out there very much. And I have to wonder. And and so what's the psychological impact there? I don't know. What what do you think? How do you make sense of this? What are your thoughts on Jonathan? I think he'll be fine. He's a mature kid. This mm-hmm. is what happens. I mean, you fumble the football, you lose a game in the NFL. That's why Coach Rathman, Tom Rathman, is so tough on these guys because fumbling the football can literally lose you a game. Um, I think he'll be fine. I think they just need to work through this. And he was just thrown in so quickly. I mean, I remember talking to, to Taylor before the season started. This was about a week before the season started. So Marlon was still healthy and he's like look it's so good that I can have a year where I'm not the starter and I can learn from a guy who's done it and he was very appreciative of the fact that he didn't have to be the featured back for the first time in a long time he actually liked that that he could get his toes wet in the NFL without being thrown into the fire what happened a week later he was thrown into the fire he didn't have a chance to catch his breath or anything and he was pretty good pretty good to start 
probably about as good as you could ask. Um, you know, the so-called rookie wall, I don't know if that plays a factor here or not, but I still think he's going to have a great career. I still think he's going to be a great pro. But look, it's it's not just Taylor. The offensive line isn't what it was. I just don't see it any other way. They're not dominating teams like they used to. And without the threats on the outside, that's that's hurting the run game as well. And T.Y. is a factor in that. Without having a, a deep threat like T.Y., you know, teams are not as scared in the back end. So uh, I just, from from talking to Taylor, from everything going back to the spring, the night he was drafted, he seemed like a really mature kid. I think he'll get through this. I don't think his rookie year will be what a lot of people thought in terms of contending for the Offensive Rookie of the Year honors. That's, that's out the window. But... I think this could be a, a really good learning experience for him. It will. One thing I would say on a positive that I think came out of yesterday is they they did make some efforts, some successful efforts to get him on the perimeter. You saw the first, I think the first play of the game was a was a pitch to Taylor. He got to the edge a couple of times, and they, they got to figure out how to do that more because that's where he's most comfortable. There's no question about that. Right. He wants to bounce things outside anyway. But if you can scheme it up in such a way that you can get him to the perimeter, you might have something there. I think the Colts have been so dead set on running inside. And I think teams are anticipating that. And that hurts your offensive line. No question about that. I mean, there's just some times there where I just think there's too many bodies. And yeah. they're stacking the box. They're just not able uh, to to get an advantage, and, and so I, I wonder he doesn't if hit the hole as quickly as Mac would, you know. And well, that's Wilkins a whole other sometimes. issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I but I think sometimes you know sometimes there's just those wide open holes, and you can't help but like fall into the hole, right? And right. Th- that's not happening. And I think I think teams are anticipating those inside runs. So what I'm saying is, getting him outside might end up softening up the inside if they can if they can consistently do that. The problem is they had some success with it and then he fumbles and then that was the end of the experiment. So I, I think they need to revisit that is what I'm getting at. I, I think there's something there because the, the only way at this point it looks like, the only way he's really going to break those big runs is getting him outside. I mean, I don't see it happening with him on these inside runs. And it's unfortunate because why did they draft him? Because of big plays. And he has like no big plays. <laughs> he has three... I think three big plays this year, and you know what? They're receptions. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That was that not tells, the, that was not tells the you idea. Something. That tells you something. Going back to Jacksonville in week one, that tells you something. That was not the idea. So, what, what last thing before we get out of here? What if you're the offensive staff for the Colts mm-hmm. right now? Frank Reich, Nick Sirianni at the top of the top of the list. What do you do differently on Thursday night? How do you get this offense to do something better? to give yourself a better chance to win. Because we know, I, I really believe the defense is going to bring it again on Thursday night. They're going to get some turnovers, possibly. And I don't think Henry's going to go crazy. You know, I, I just don't. Um, how do you get this offense to score enough to win the game? Man. Get T.Y. back, for starters. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, first of all, it, a lot of it's going to fall on River's shoulders. I think there were some opportunities, and he just missed them, first of all. And I, I got to... I got to think that doesn't happen consistently, right? I mean, it will happen. It's clear now, all right? He's not going to be the same guy from week to week, and that is going to be a frustration fans are going to have to deal with. But I think that's the first thing. So I'm going to go, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt that, okay, if we scheme a couple things open for him, he'll hit them. But 
the one thing they got to do is is be more efficient in the passing game. I thought that look, I love them taking shots. Okay, I do, I really do. But those shots they took on Sunday were an absolute catastrophe. Oh my okay? gosh, it was like a carnival. I was like, have you guys even practiced together? I don't know what was going on. I have no idea what was going on. But if you're going to take shots, they have to be more efficient than that. Look, I get that those are low percentage throws, but my God, they should at least be in the same zip code. I don't know what was happening there. Never in sync. Never in sync. Never. And, and, and I, I almost feel like I you took those for granted with Luck and T-Wack because they were yeah. always, always in sync. They could always hit one or two of those a game, and it, it changed the game. And so to your question, that you asked me what would I do differently. The one thing I'll say is you don't want to get too cute, but – they do have some players that they can do some things with that that are unconventional. And I think they need to lean into that. DeMichael Harris, for example. Look, I can't believe I'm sitting here on the podcast talking about DeMichael Harris. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> It is what it is, right? Remember in the preseason, we were like, who's number five? Who's that guy? Well, we're talking about him. He's now number 12, which is a whole other story. But anyhow, DeMichael Harris is, I don't know if the guy can run a corner route and go you know, take a ball off the top of the defensive back's helmet or anything. But I will tell you this, he can sure as hell run a screen and he can run some end arounds and he can do some things. And so lean into that, right? And and, and they like tried I was telling to you they tried they did. To. I think they had some success with that. I mean he had two touches, two runs uh for like twenty seven yards. I mean yeah, those, four are, catches those are big for yards. Twenty seven along a thirteen. I mean that's more than a lot of other guys could say. That's Marcus a, that's Johnson a, had two catches on seven targets. Right. Those are big yards in a game where the yards are hard to come by. So lean right. into that. And then, like I told you during the game, is when the defense starts to anticipate that, you play off of that. You know, you got to be smart. You stay, That's how you stay a step ahead. So that's one thing. And then not, the other guy is Naheem Hines. Okay. Where is the magic they captured with him in the Detroit game? Uh, they really used him primarily as a receiver in the Detroit game. I thought it was brilliant. I thought yeah. they had great success there. That's uh, the thing lean with into Naheem. that. It's 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 one game, huge day. The next game, he's non-existent, and we almost knew this before the season started. They told us this, like it's just going to come down to matchups. And for whatever reason, they, I don't think they felt Naheem was a great weapon yesterday. I I might tend to disagree because nothing was really working on the second. I mean, what half, else you, you got? Right? Spark <laughs> and and he's a he's a game breaker in space. So they're going to have to figure something out, figure it out quickly because. They're going to Nashville on Thursday, and that's a good team. And, and they, they could very well be 5-4 and four after that game. And, and that's a totally different season from here on out. Yeah, no question about it. So I'll be very interested to see how they, uh, you know, how they bounce back and, and do they bounce back. And, and how does the offensive staff react to this? So, again, I, as I said at the top, I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment because you're talking about a Ravens team – that has just an absolutely elite defense, right? You're, that's not what you're going to see against Tennessee. Now, they're good. Right. But they're not Ravens good. They don't okay? have a great pass rush, though, and that might make life right. a little bit easier for the quarterback. Right. So don't be surprised if they go out and make some plays on Thursday. And we'll get into that in our next podcast, and we'll have plenty of thoughts on that matchup, But so not to get too far ahead. But but I, I, don't be surprised, right? They'll, they'll probably look better offensively. And if they don't, then they got bigger problems. But I, I think they'll look better offensively. Um, but again, there's a bigger issue here. They've got to address these issues and, and it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy because they have who they have. Um, right. 
One of the things I want to get an answer to this week, and I don't think Frank will help us, but <laughs> I'm hoping to get some feedback on what's going on with Paris Campbell. Does he have a chance? I was thinking not? the same exact thing. Now, we're not yeah. there yet, but um, when it happened, which was week two, I was told, don't get your hopes up. Uh, yeah. but it doesn't sound like he could return, but they haven't ruled him out, which means there's always a chance. And yeah. as we know with TY, some guys heal faster than others. Maybe Paris Campbell's similar. Maybe he's not. Um I think you're dead on, though. I mean, they, they missed that guy. They missed the perimeter speed. He, he was a big part of the offense. They had designed a lot of plays for him. They liked him coming out of Ohio State for that very reason. And, and man, they could use him right now. Well, I'll, I'll close by throwing this out there. <laughs> I think we know what we'll be writing about around draft time. Okay, <laughs> There's a couple right. of positions, and I think you know what right. they are. Uh, right. And it's not offensive line or defensive line. Let's just put it that way. So. Lots of quarterback, lots of wide receiver, I imagine. So I get it. Uh, we'll have to see what happens. But listen, uh, you know, look, they're five and three. Can they still make the playoffs? Absolutely. Uh, but I think this is a big game on Thursday. And in fact, these next three, you can't lose these three. You got to be able <laughs> to. You got to be able to to find some way to to come out on top in, in a couple of these. I feel like it, the sky's to not really falling. Stay on track. No. Rivers has proven he can bounce back. As bad as they looked in the second half yesterday. They can change the narrative very quickly on Thursday night by going to Tennessee. You know, they're 0-1 in the division, right? they got to get a win in the AFC South. Um, and like we've been saying for weeks, these two games against the Titans in three weeks with the, the Green Bay Packers sandwich in the middle, that's going to determine the AFC champion. They're not out of the AFC South race yet. This is a good time to start. And, and maybe coming off the Baltimore loss will get this team's attention. And, um, you know, this is a quick way for them to – sort of change the narrative and, and it would be the best team they've beaten all season i think yeah that's right <laughs> oh my god you're right <laughs> <laughs> not a lot of competition in that category no no there isn't so anyway uh that's the story uh stay tuned to the athletic some good stuff out there uh i i know that zach's got a piece he's excited about for you to read and we've got lots of post-game coverage uh, from the game yesterday that uh, I hope you're able to digest, um, you know, maybe put some of this in perspective for you, even beyond what you heard here today. So I'm Stephen Holder with Zach Kiefer. Thank you for listening. This is 1% Better. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.